At ViStar, we believe in better. Our members now have access to more than 20,000 fee-free ATMs across North America. If you believe that convenience is better, join ViStar. We never forget that it's your money. All loans subject to approval, insured by NCUA. And now, from the Daytona Beach News Journal. And he is a lap away from the checkered flag in the Daytona 500. The voice of NASCAR. Austin Dillon wins the 60th running of the Great American Race. Daytona Motor Miles with Ken Willis and Godwin Kelly. with a cough playing hurt symbolic i used to get a head cold twice a year and i apparently have my first one in about four years and it's great didn't it feel good freezing to death does it feel good yeah i feel like i'm in wisconsin ken willis goblin kelly daytona motor mouse uh we got the first uh big event of our annual racing season has come and gone we'll talk a little bit of Sports car racing. It was a Rolex 24 at Daytona is what it's formally known as. Formally, not formerly. Formerly known as the 24 Hours of Daytona. <laughs> He's feverish, people. Yes. He's feverish. Uh, we've got a, a death to report. We'll get into that in a minute. Uh, we're going to hear from a Ford guy. Is he talking Goblin? Did he talk about the Mustang? Is that the whole purpose of this? Yes, the new Mustang in the uh, Monster Energy NASCAR the name, Cup Series. They're bringing the name Mustang back to uh, Cup Racing. And the accent. Daddy's Mustang, so the accents. The accents. Why else my Mustang? Uh, let's see. We'll hear from a Ford guy. We're going to talk about open garage policy and uh, what that means. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, the uh, shrinking seats. What? The uh, track sizes, uh, uh, grandstand sizes. Boy, am I loopy. Uh, ISC put out its annual report recently and had some head, uh, head-turning uh, numbers in terms of uh, grandstand seating. All right. And they're gonna, and we're gonna talk a little bit about Fernando Alonso, and we'll play the always popular birthday game at the end of the show. What do you think about that? Is that a good lineup? You, you know what I say? Let's, yes. Let's put in the key and crank this mama up. We'll do it uh, right after we take this. Quick little break. And we're back. Daytona Motor Mouse, Ken Willis, Goblin Kelly. Uh, you ever listen to yourself? Listen to back, back to yourself when you have a head cold, and when you're when you got one, you just know you feel kind of puny. But then when you listen back, you go, "Man, that guy sounds all stuffed up." So yeah. I apologize, but you have to carry the load, Mister Kelly. You all right? You're for you're forging on. I like that. Yeah, and it's going to fade into a uh, you know a runny nose and then a cough, and it's just going to be irritating for Did, a couple. Now, of weeks. let me ask you a question: Is there? Um, let me flip the camera real quick so I can show, show people my ugly face. Uh oh, here we go. All right, hold on. It's not flipped. There we go. Oh. Hey, it's <laughs> me. Uh, this cold that you got? Yes, sir. Is it possible that the uh, weather conditions at the Rolex nope. 24? Nope. At, no? nope. nope. Had this talk with Zach Dean earlier in the week. It's nothing to do with it. It's strictly a, a germ or some sort of bug you picked up from somebody. You don't catch a cold, a true cold. You can catch well, some symptoms. Okay. You don't catch a cold or flu right. from the weather. You let catch me, it from a bug. Let me ask you A this. mosquito. <laughs> let me ask you this then. No, you, from a doorknob. No, you with catch it from the, a, a all, virus or with something. With all the people from all different parts of the world There you here. go. Well, that might be it. Okay. So, yes. in so, a roundabout way. Yes. But if I... if. 
if we're going to blame the Rolex for this, we're not going to blame the weather. We're going to blame the those Europeans that came over here is what they did. They they snuck it past the TSA. See the little shutdown that we were having. Some of them yeah. TSA guys didn't report to work, and uh, they snuck a they snuck a little uh, flu bug past them, which in me which in me becomes a cold bug because I got my flu shot. Well, I always tell myself if I do catch something like this, it could have been worse if I hadn't gotten the flu shot. I'm sticking with that. All right. A so, shot of uh, a shot of Hiram Walker will be next. By the way. So anyway, um, what did you? What, what are your final impressions well, of the Rolex Twenty Four? I'm sorry we didn't get to see the final couple of hours because I think it would have been if if they had run the last two hours in those horrible conditions, it might not have been. It would have only been exciting because of the Keystone Cops. Uh, factor that would have what would have played a big part in who won and who lost because it would have just been dumb luck. But um, if the track had been navigable, <laughs> like a waterway, if it had been uh, navigable as a road is supposed to be navigable, <laughs> then it would have been a lot of fun because <laughs> there was some, some reason that doesn't sound. I like know <laughs> there was some F one, there was some Formula One timber out there, not just Alonso. But uh, Nasser and I mean, a couple other guys whose name escaped me right now because of you know Nyquil, but uh, <laughs> Nyquil was not in the race. But Nasser was. So uh, yeah, it would have been fun to watch uh, watch those guys go at it. I would have loved to have seen that. And those stars, who knows how long it'll be before those stars align again? Before you get that much, you know, tall timber racing wise, international stars that would have been able to go at it really would have been entertaining and that that's that's the downside but overall you know it, the event just gets more spectacular every year with the numbers and quality of of people racers teams manufacturers it's just crazy it's gotten to the point now where i went out to try to go on the start and grid before the race and just said not not worth it so we went out to the midway and hung out there till the start of the race oh, but, i uh, did i did the grid walk yeah. and it was just crazy yeah time. i just i said no nah, this ain't gonna work Imagine how sick I'd be if I'd mingled out there with all that humanity. Okay, so uh, the funny thing—I don't think a lot of people caught this in the um, in the media center after yeah. the race, right? But um, they brought the winning overall winning team, or they brought all the class winners in. Then they brought the overall winning team in, and um, Wayne Taylor is the owner of the team, right? And he's the guy making the calls and hiring the drivers and stuff. Okay, so the. The four drivers that were in the car were Ranger, Van, Deer, Dandy. <laughs> South right? African, I believe, right? Yeah. And then uh, Jordan Taylor, who is, uh, you know. Wayne the, Taylor's son. Yeah. Kamui. And then uh, Fernando Alonso. Yes. And then he was thanking the driver from Japan, and he got his name wrong. Oh, no. Yeah. yeah. Is it Kamui? It is Kamui, yeah. yeah. What's the last name? Um, number oh, 10. Man, number 10. I got it. Uh, Ranger Van, Van Der Zandy. He's, uh, he's actually from <laughs> New Zealand. Ranger Van Van Der Zandy. That's, you know, good sports car racer. Jordan Taylor, Fernando Alonzi, Lonzo, and Kamui Kobayashi. Yeah. Yeah, but is he, Kobayashi the name of the guy who wins that uh, wins the hot dog I contest? Think, I think year? that's very. But similar. it's not the same guy. No, <laughs> we, can, we can. But Wayne Taylor got the name wrong. Wayne Taylor, he's like, I want to thank Kumi. Kumi. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh well. But you know that's over twenty four hours. Yeah, he'd been up a long time. 
But it was uh, we did get cheated out of those last couple hours, and but at the same time. Uh, would you have been willing to sit around and wait for the track to dry to run them last two hours? No. No. no uh, we love a timed event because you know what time it's going to end. Yeah. And uh, in this case, it ended early. That's the first time in my life yeah, they've ten, ended it early. Yeah, 10 minutes before, which makes me think, why didn't they just wait the extra 10 minutes until yeah. it got to 235, you know? They waited to check it at 225 for common sense purposes. They knew at that stage they weren't going to be able, even if the track was magically fit to drive on at that time, they didn't have time to get the guys in their cars, get them cranked, a couple of pace laps, and go. So they knew that they were out of time to uh, try to get in some racing before 235. So they just threw the flag 10 minutes early. The Rolex 2350 is what we had this year. All right, so I'm throwing the flag on Facebook Live. Say goodbye to uh, all of our followers. Uh, Don't get near me. Don't get near me. All right. All right, we continue, though, don't we? Yeah, yeah that was we just... continue. Uh, one thing we learned, uh, we got some new, some news sort of spills out here and there during Rolex weekend. And uh, you done? You ready? I'm ready. You ready for? I'm, I'm ready. Uh, for 20 plus years, there's been a website called jayski.com. J a y s k i. Uh, Jay Abramowitz, I think his name is. Yeah. And uh, he refers to himself as Jayski. I'm thinking, I think it's some sort of Polish, uh, endearing Polish terminology he's liking to want to uh, throw out there at us. I don't know. Yeah. But anyway, uh, he's been kind of a clearinghouse for NASCAR news. Yeah. And uh, wherever the, anything that comes up would show up on Jayski. And then one thing that's very uh, uh, useful about the website is you could go there, he would link to articles newspaper website articles about auto racing and you would go on his links page and you could go through all these uh different uh, news gathering organizations of some form or fashion everything from charlotte observer to some guy with a with a website that he designed himself and and you know works on out of tacoma you know and um you could find all kind of articles and varying opinions and everything and so when you were in the mood or when necessary you could go there and find a it was a great research tool you can still do this elsewhere you can find it you can you can find all these things elsewhere but uh that was one of, he was one of the first and uh and really worked hard on it and a lot of in in indispensable what yeah yeah information you know like his team chart you know you could call up his current team chart and you could go down the number of the race teams and you'd find out you know who their who their crew chief is who the driver is who the owner is who the sponsors are and for how many races are they sponsoring then down below you find out you know contract terms between driver sponsor and yeah. owner so it's, it's really sort of an indispensable uh item that has apparently now been disposed of <laughs> Well, he, has, he has put the brakes on it. He what, has done. Cause, what, uh, he hooked up with ESPN a couple years ago, right? Yeah, what happened is ESPN actually bought the site. Yeah. Yeah. He actually, ESPN bought the site. And um, I was on somebody's cord over here. <laughs> <laughs> That's a long cord. Everybody calm down. All right. Uh, ESPN bought the site from him and so basically he was an employee of espn uh-huh. at that point and now espn is washing their hands of auto racing yeah big at least time. nascar yeah i mean they got rid of their only racing writer bob yep. pakras yep uh now they've taken down jayski yep and um but ricky I, craven just left for fox but I, i'm gonna tell you um it's like a, it's like a death in the family almost. Yeah. Losing Jayski, B 
because he started that in 96 and originally it was an Ernie Irving page to keep track of Ernie's whereabouts whereabouts I forgot that yeah You're right yeah and then it you know it blossomed into yeah. people um, contacting him with tips yeah and all of a sudden he became you know the go-to guy the go-to guy if you had something that you wanted to slip to the press yeah he became the guy Pocris is that guy now <laughs> yeah but he broke he broke a lot of stories yeah I mean big stories huge stories uh, because he had people on the inside and um, I talked to him once and he said that uh, he knew a lot of people that worked in the office areas of these race teams yeah and they just were dying to tell somebody yeah what was going on you know that's funny and so they would you know slip him people in. love to know things yeah other people don't know and they love to show that off yeah so they he'd get a lot of that stuff going on and uh that's how he got that's a be. weird thing about human nature you just we just can't a lot of us just have a hard time keeping them trapped shut yeah. yeah so anyway um r.i.p to jayski.com yeah. um the site's still up at, i know i know so but um it just won't be updated. It won't be updated, and they probably are going to take it down after a while. The whole ESPN thing has gotten really weird. It's like now when you go on ESPN.com, it's just it's all NBA and UFC, you know, cage fighting stuff. I mean, they really are hammering that. I mean, because they, you know, it's they 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 work there. I mean, that's their bread and butter. Now, obviously, they do a lot with baseball and, and football, but. Uh, Na, you know NASCAR used to have a big, a big presence there, but my God, it's almost like they're trying to <laughs> erase it, erase the it, history of you it. You know, it's it, it almost feels like like a divorce that like a bad divorce. <laughs> yeah, and and you know one side of the party is saying I have I don't want anything to do with you anymore. Yeah, I mean that's the vibe I get from yeah. all this from them just cutting everything loose yeah because there's still i mean there's there's an audience the audience for nascar is bigger than the audience for ufc if you look at the numbers it's bigger than the audience for golf right tennis and all that yeah there's still an audience for it i mean the nascar audience isn't what it was 10 20 years ago because everything's been divided other than the nfl everything's been sliced up into smaller pieces because there's just so many various uh varying entertainment venues and avenues out there so everybody's piece of the pie has shrunk in relation to what it was, but uh, but it's weird. It's almost you know knowing what we know about ESPN. I just wonder, and knowing what we know about the world today, you almost wonder if if, if there's not a political element to it. You know? Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. So yeah. That anything's possible. Anyway, we'll go elsewhere for our uh, clearinghouse. Godspeed, Jason. Godspeed. <laughs> you can always go to uh, Motor Mouse. Yeah. You can always go to. Uh, this week in NASCAR. Yeah. NASCAR This Week. NASCAR This Week. Which is our weekly page that Godwin and I put out, and it's distributed to about 150 print newspapers around the land. Weeklies, dailies. Might be a monthly out there somewhere. <laughs> I know there's some three- or four-day-a-week papers out there. And it's distributed all throughout North America, including yes. our friends up north. We have ventured into Canada. We're all Canadians today, aren't we? Yeah. It's, it's cold. It is cold, man. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, and, and that's it. That's all we got for What Do You Know? What Do You Know? What Do You Know? We're going to talk a little bit. We're going to let a Ford guy talk. We're going to talk uh, open garage policy. Tear down that wall. Uh, we're going to um, 
Talk about Speedway, grandstands, blah, blah, blah. We'll play the birthday game later. We'll talk a little Fernando Alonso. What could be next on his uh, list of things he's checking off? Wow. We got a lot coming up. We got to count it all in, and we'll start right after this. You know, guy, when you'll get that big-time auto racing. Oh, yeah. You will get that big-time auto racing. Uh, You know what you'll get? What do you Uh, get? Manufacturing promotions. What? Uh, Manufacturers marketing promotions. That's what I'm trying to say. Right. <coughs> oh, it's just getting nice now. Dry, nagging little hack, you know. <laughs> nothing happens. It's just noise. Just noise and aggravation. Uh, yeah. Nothing productive. A non-productive cough. It's just irritating. But uh, we don't want a productive cough right now, do we? No, we, no, don't. we don't. No, we uh, don't. Uh, talk, talk us into this uh, clip that you got from the Ford guy. And uh, who is the Ford guy? And uh, tell us what's coming up and then let us hear it. Well, his name is Mark Rushbrook. Rushbrook. Yes. That's interesting. And Unlike Richard Westbrook. Yeah. Sports don't. Sir. Now, that's I'm trying to get away from you. that. I have screwed you. Rushbrook um, is the director of Ford Racing, North America. Okay. And um, so under his umbrella is the, you know, the Ford GT team of Chip Ganassi. Yep. And but he's going to come back, obviously, for the NASCAR Cup Series racing here at Daytona. Big umbrella. Yeah. So I took the opportunity to get him off to the side during the Rolex weekend. Yes. And I asked him about uh, the introduction of the Ford uh, Mustang to the Cup Series this season. And uh, this was the short little interview I did with him in the media center at Daytona Speedway. All right, here we go. Let's fast forward here to uh, Daytona Speedweek's NASCAR. Um, you guys are bringing a new car. You had the Fusion for 10 years. You, uh, you massaged it. You played with it. Now you're bringing the Mustang. So what's your thought going into Speedweeks with this new piece? Well, we're excited. First of all, the Fusion served us very well in NASCAR and was very competitive, winning the, the championship last last year. So all of that massaging on that old body certainly paid off. Um, we've lot of, made a lot of advancements with the new Mustang in terms of what our advanced technical tools with aerodynamics, computational fluid dynamics, wind tunnel testing, that we think we're bringing a better car in this new Mustang than what we had with the Fusion last year. So we're excited. We, that all the numbers look good from everything we're seeing in the wind tunnel, and we can't wait to see it on track uh, in a pack of 40 cars going fast. Okay. Now, the, the, uh, the thing that they got my attention was Chevrolet was kind of in your shoes last year bringing the new Camaro and they were full of expectation and we know what happened <laughs> so that's a is that a cautionary tale for you guys um, I mean is there any way to prove the car before it gets on the track well, it certainly is a reason to take caution, and we even saw it in 2017 when Toyota brought a new car that um, they struggled a little bit in the beginning of the year, but came on really strong uh, by the middle of the year, and, and certainly last year with Chevrolet, and and uh, understand the risks of bringing a new car, that it's something that that we need to continue to learn, our teams need to continue to learn. So we, we look at those examples and, and try to learn from them. 
um, but we do believe that uh, the new Mustang is better than the Fusion in a lot of ways. We realize that there is definitely a learning curve anytime you bring bring a new car. But the aerodynamic rules for 2019 are also significantly different than they were for 2018. So for us, the difference is this year we're learning our new car with new rules. But at the same time, Toyota and Chevy are also having to adjust to those new rules. So the the, the uh, on-track performance is going to be a little bit different, I think, because of those new rules as well. Well, that, that was good. I like that. I, I just have one problem. It's not a Mustang. <laughs> this whole manufacturer thing where they're bringing back different brands, I, it's always lost on me because by the time they get done with it, unless you unless you squint or put it under the microscope, boy, it sure looks an awful lot like the old car that they had out there. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But, I mean, it's all promotions. Yeah. They want you to know that it's a Mustang out there so that they can try to sell more Mustangs. Yeah, Mustangs, and I don't blame them. Camaros. That's been the name of the game ever since Barney Oldfield was had a full head of hair, right? Sorry about that one. Um, one thing we don't have on the list that I wanted to make note of before we moved on to the next thing on the list yeah. is Earnhardt Childress Racing. Yeah. Have you heard of that? I have heard. All right. So they're in the business of making engines. And one thing I forgot to even report on after the Rolex 24 is Earnhardt Childress Engines built the winning race engine for the uh, number 10 car. Interesting. And the second place car. That's right. They were a Cadillac, Cadillac engine. Right? Yeah. And yeah. Um, according to this press release from them, uh, they won the last, their engines won the last three Rolex 24s. So it's been Cadillacs. Them or uh, Action Express Racing Cadillac. Yep. Yeah. Because so. I know that uh, Robert Yates' engines won it before when the, when a Ford won the overall. And uh, Robert Yates, Jack Roush, their handiwork was all over that race several times. So Richie Gilmore, president of ECR Engines. Oh, Richie. He said, quote, this was one of the most intense Rolex 24 races I've ever seen. There were people in tents. Yeah. And RVs. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Now we can go back on budget here. What do you think about this policy you were reading about this week that uh, NASCAR is looking to uh, throw open the gates of the garage a little bit more than they do currently or in the last several years? Uh, they're going to pick and choose uh, convenient times on race days or qualifying days to open the garage, and they're not just going to throw it open and say, come one, come all. You'll have to, I'm guessing, uh, probably go somewhere they've indicated, maybe get a special bracelet. That way they can limit the number of people they throw the garage open to. Uh, I think it's a step. It may or may not help. Uh, I'll follow up with my uh, additional comments after you tell me your knee-jerk reaction to all this. (laughs) Well, the funny thing is that Daytona, I don't know about other tracks, but Daytona's had a program where you could sign up and go as a group you know be part of a group like say 25 35 people and follow the guy with the flag right yep and during the when the garage is cold and it gets so cold in there (laughs) when it's cold yes uh they would give you a tour of the garage area Mm -hmm. little known fact yep so it's not but it'll cost you (laughs) yeah i think what they are talking about is uh, during these cold times in the garage, meaning 
it's not like within an hour of qualifying or race time right. or anything like that where there's a lot of hustle and bustle among the teams and drivers. Yeah, and cars moving in and out of the yeah. garage area at hectic pace and right. stuff. Um, yeah, I think I think that's good. It's you know it's another revenue stream for the tracks. Um, I don't think it's really going to have an impact on the teams. No, uh, they well, will have to post somebody yeah. by the car to make sure nobody gets their hands on it yeah. and whatnot. But uh, the 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 fact of the matter is, uh, during those cold periods, uh, the you you won't see much of the team or yeah, the it. drivers. You'll the, see some crew guys over there tweaking on the car, working yeah. on the car. Uh, but what you won't see is Jimmy Johnson or uh, or or uh, Brad Keselowski or anything. They're not just wandering around the garage or sitting out back of the hauler. Of, and that's what fans want. Fans want autographs. Yeah, unfortunately, of, that for some, I mean, that's that's the whole be all and end all for them. See, so, I, the reason this works so well in IMSA is because, especially at Daytona, is because you have three or four drivers on a car. And any at any given time, you might have one of those guys walking right next, walking to you. around the car, and you know asking questions. But the other difference is, I mean, it, with the sports car crowd, is if you want to generalize, they're there to look at the cars. They love watching those cars. They love looking at them, watching guys work on them. Where an NASCAR garage is f- full of what people running around with diecast cars and a sharpie, mm. or a, or a picture or big poster pictures and a sharpie. They're yep. wanting autographs. Yep. And I think the next step is what you're gonna what you're gonna see. I think next, probably within a year or so in NASCAR at the top level is what you see at lower levels, autograph sessions. Uh, and they do they did it for IMSA. I mean Fernando Alonso for God's sake was a two time world champion in Formula One. And he went out there with all the drivers at the autograph session and sat with his team at a table and signed. Uh, the drivers, now you've, you've got these newer guys coming up, younger guys who know a lot more has to be done, on, a lot more lifting has to be done on the promotional front than was done half a generation ago. Right. Because, uh, you know, the climate has changed. So they're going to have to suck it up and do these. They're going to have to have pre-race autograph sessions because there are people – who love that stuff. I mean, they eat it up, and that will draw. I don't know how many more people it would bring to an event weekend, but it would bring more. It yeah. wouldn't bring fewer. It oh, would bring yeah. more. Yeah, so, absolutely. So um, more than would have been there otherwise. I mean, I'm not, I don't think there's anybody who's going to say, well, I was going to go to the race, but now I'm not because they're doing an autograph session. Right. <laughs> no, it's going to be the other way around. The, the question is, how many people are going? will it draw to have that? Right. And I think that's the next uh, next evidence step i think in in, in this evolution of uh searching for interactive ways to uh help you know make it uh make a ticket purchase more worthwhile you know what i'm saying wow that's profound isn't it and this bleeds right into this you've got some facts and figures there international speedway corporation uh owns uh, they're based in daytona beach it was originally formed by bill france senior way back when they uh they owned daytona international speedway to begin with and they built Talladega. Then they started buying tracks over the years. Uh, Watkins Glen, Michigan, Darlington. Darlington. Uh, they own 13 tracks in all. 12 of them are host to NASCAR series, Cup series, and down the line uh, events. One of them is not. I think is that Tucson or is that that drag strip that they own somewhere? <laughs> I'm trying to remember. But anyway, uh, they own. Uh, the majority of the tracks that host NASCAR events. And uh, they, at one point, had a certain number of seats combined 
grandstand seats combined among all their tracks. And right now they have a number that is a different number than they used to have of seats. Because as you know, uh, 15, 20 years ago, every time you turned around, somebody, some track was adding seats. Now, every time you turn around, some track is subtracting seats. And you, I believe, have something in your hand that might uh, shed a little light on all that. Am I right? You are correct, sir. Yes. So, um, International Speedway Corp. ISC. Which is the... Right. Which owns Daytona International Speedway (coughs) and those other tracks you mentioned. Um, In 2007... That's not that long ago, is it? 2007. Their seat total for the 12 tracks that host Cup Series Racing... All right. Yeah, I got you. 1.1 million seats. That's a lot of seats. Yeah. That's a lot. That's uh, that's just a tad under 100,000 average. Right. Now, that average is skewed on the high end by Daytona because they had 160-ish and skewed on the low end by, say, a road course like Watkins Glen that had much, much fewer. Right. But anyway. Um, so now the seat count. For those 12 tracks. For those 12 tracks is 683,000. So now you're going from like roughly 100,000 seats average per place to about 55 or 60,000 seat average per place. Well, the um, I'm looking I mean, it's at, almost cut in half. I'm looking at the chart here, and you got your Kansas Speedway. Yeah. And uh, the previous high total was 64,000 seats. Yeah. Now it is 48,000 seats. Okay. And then the other big uh, uh, minus sign on this sheet is Michigan International Speedway, mm-hmm. IMS. That's M-I-S. That's a good one, though. <laughs> good Lord. <laughs> I'm the sick one, and you oh, – never mind. I think maybe I'm catching it. Yeah. Uh, 71,000 was the high. High watermark, yeah. And now we're at 56,000. Yeah. So that's Does it have Martinsville on that list? Did they include Martinsville that? was 55. Yeah. And now it's 44. If you remember right, Martinsville, they used to always say a sellout crowd of 80,000 at Martinsville. And then when ISC bought the track and being a publicly traded company, uh, they have to disclose certain facts and figures. And that's when we learned, no, they have 55,000 seats, (laughs) not 80 or 90, whatever it is they used to always say. And Clay Campbell, the track president, always back then he said, "I never told you guys there was eighty five thousand seats here." You know, I was the Associated Press making that, uh, you know, that estimation. Somewhere along the line, somebody said that we have eighty or eighty five thousand oh, yeah. seats, and they they ran with it, and that just remained the quote truth for uh, decades until uh, ISC bought it and said, "Nope, nope, fifty five. Now what? Forty eight? You said? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I hope we don't lose a seat in here." <laughs> we we're not taking away seats from the pod, I can tell you. All right, but anyway, they're gonna it will level off. It will level off at a uh, place where it's uh, destined to level off. How's that for depth? That is pretty deep. All right, we still got to talk a little bit about uh, Fernando Alonso, and we're gonna play the birthday game. And we're gonna do both those things right after this. All right, we're back. Ken Wallace, Goblin Kelly, wrapping up a uh, Daytona Motor Mouse podcast. Fernando Alonso hinted strongly that he's got other things he wants to conquer in the racing world. Right. Doesn't want to announce them yet. Right. I saw an inkling of one of them as the Dakar Rally. Used to be the Paris to Dakar Rally, if I'm I'm correct. Which is, you know, they're racing over sand dunes through the Sahara. And these specially made uh, dune buggies, basically. Uh, that That sounds like it would be fun. 
he's going to try the Indy 500 again this year. He's going back to Le Mans, where he was on part of the winning team last year. Just won the Rolex. Right. Uh, you know, you might think NASCAR. Well, who knows? Maybe someday down the road, he's got. He's still young enough. He's like thirty-eight or nine, forty, something like that. He's still young enough where he could presumably. I mean, he, he could get behind the wheel of a stock car and run on a road course anytime over the next fifteen, twenty years, uh, if he if he so chose. He did indicate that the cars were just. That's a big chunk to bite off to try to learn the the movements of those big big old stock cars compared yeah. to what he's used to, but. But anyway, what do you what do you think when you heard him say that? And did anything jump out in your well, mind as the, a possibility? The word "unprecedented." He wants to when he yeah. leaves racing, he wants to have an unprecedented record. Right. So he's already got two F one titles. Yep. He's now won the two big endurance races. Yep. Um, it's obvious that he's going to be a contender and at in the Indy five hundred. He yep. was uh, two years ago yep. when he ran it as a rookie. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean the sky's the limit for this guy. He well, speaking do... of the sky, how about the Pikes Peak Trail climb? Yeah, that's another thing. Yeah. There you go. But uh, he was very coy about you know what he wanted to do in the yeah. future. Um, I'd stay he... out of those. I'd stay out of those hot rods though. The NHRA stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I'd avoid that. Yeah, I don't think he'll do that. But uh, but to have an unprecedented racing career. Oh. That that leaves the door pretty wide open to a lot of things. So we'll just have to see. All right, you want to play the birthday game? Yeah, let's do it. All right, it's kind of a not a, not the not the busiest week. Uh, later in the week, it gets a little busy. Who's on the uh, first tee? <coughs> Thursday, that would be tomorrow as we tape this. Bartow, Florida, the pride of Bartow, Florida. City Commissioner Rick Wilson. Remember, Rick, he drove that Kodak car. Yeah. That yellow Kodak car before Sterling and uh, before Ernie Irvin and Sterling started winning races in it. He finished second in a – no, he didn't. Yeah, he finished second in a Coke 400, I think, a Pepsi firecracker. And he uh, also – He should have won that He race. also followed Richard Petty into the number 43 car the first year Petty retired, except they made it a 44, if I remember right. Yeah. And they brought 43 they back wanted, in uh, – They wanted to try in – 94. <laughs> They wanted to try and, uh, like, retire the 43, and yeah. it didn't work. Yeah. Bill Jr. said no. Well, it wasn't just that. They realized, Richard realized, that if he's got a 43 out there, that invites a certain level of funding. Right. Because his memory was still fresh with that car. And so, anyway, uh, Rick Wilson's birthday is tomorrow. Bartow, Florida's Rick Wilson. Happy 65th. Dang, you're so close. 66 tomorrow. Ah. Rick Wilson. Uh, Friday. Richard Childress's son-in-law, Austin Dillon's dad, Mike Dillon, former Bush Series racer. Uh, he's in. Uh, he's a muckety muck there at Childress Racing. He's got one of the corner offices. I'm not sure what his official title is, but anyway, Mike Dillon was not the sheriff of uh, Dodge City. That was his uh, uncle Matt. I'm going to say there's a number I want to say, and then there's a number I will say. <laughs> That's interesting. <laughs> Fifty-four. You're right. Yeah. Uh, look at you. You've got your groove back, man. Yeah. You were a little MIA there for a couple of weeks. Uh, next Tuesday, we got three for the price of one. Kind of a lull between Friday and over the weekend, kind of a lull. But next Tuesday, one of our favorite guys dipping back into the sports car world here, Dorsey Schrader next Tuesday. Dorsey? Dorsey Schrader. He's got to be in. I tell you what, he's probably considering it a minor miracle that he's celebrating a birthday next Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> Because he he uh, he was fast on off and around the track. Yeah, and his name it 
you, if you look at his name, you pronounce it what? Schroeder. Yeah. Yeah. But he insists you call him Schrader. Yeah. And that's what I'm doing. <laughs> Happy birthday, Dorsey. Okay. So who's the next one? What's his bonus? <laughs> Come on. Let's go. You're afraid. I am afraid. You're afraid. Oh, God. Give me the number you want to give me. That worked out good for you last time. All right. The number I wanted to give you, 59. Well, what number did you think you should give me? 61. 66. Oh, my God. That's something? Uh, Here's a little uh, mini blast from the mini pass. Reed Sorensen, former up-and-coming Hall of Famer who just uh, just didn't quite uh, find the right place at the right time. Well, he'd be like as old as like... Kurt Bush, so 42. Oh, man. Should have stopped. 33. Ah. Didn't he come up with, uh, did he come up with, no, I'm trying to think of that other guy that came came out of Georgia. There was a couple young guys came up at the same time. Might have been Reagan. Yeah, two yeah. Georgia boys came up at the same time. Yeah, but yeah. Reagan's in his late 30s. Well, that, that you know, not everybody, it's not like they came out of high school. They came out of late models. Or I think whatever. they did come out of high school. Well, dadgummit. Here's a guy who's not out of high school. Next Tuesday, saving the biggest for the last, Daryl Walter. Daryl is 71. Woof. You got you got close, 72. But that's good. We give you that one. I'm always a year behind on those guys. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Mr. Kelly. Well, um, you know what? Yes. The long, cold <laughs> winter break is over Yeah. because uh, next week. The haulers are coming in. The haulers are coming in to Daytona International Speedway. And we will be playing host. Yeah, we will. To 11 days of competition or yep, something like that. Yep. So, and Speed Week Radio is right around the corner, too. We're hooking up a nine-day radio station online. Uh, we're going to be play a big role in that, Godwin and I. Uh, more details to come. It's going to be Speed Week Radio, however, and you'll be able to find it. If you found us, you can find that. <laughs> you found that? Anyway, I hope I shake this crud by the time the haulers roll in because... Need all my strength. My strength. If, if you're out there welcoming the haulers and you look like you do today, they'll yeah. probably turn around and head back Oof. to North Carolina. Thank you. Appreciate yeah. that. Appreciate all right. That. Well, it's Godwin Kelly. Ken Willis. Thank you for listening to this episode of Daytona Motor Mouths. To reach the program, please visit DaytonaMotorMouths.com or follow on Twitter at NASCAR Daytona or Facebook at NASCAR Daytona. And thanks for joining us. Daytona Motor Mouths is a production of the Daytona Beach News Journal.